Well, good morning. Go ahead and stay standing. Stay standing. For the reading and the hearing of God's Word, this is Luke chapter 10. This is our text this morning in verses 25 through 37. Go ahead and listen as I read the Word of God. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, Well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down to Jerusalem from Jericho, and he fell amongst robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to that place, saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds and poured oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to the inn and took care of him. And the next day, he said to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we come and we sing these songs of worship we sing lyrics that are so powerful, faithful. That is who you are. It's not what you do, God. Faithfulness is not what you do, mainly. It's who you are. It's in your character. It's who the very essence of your being, God, is steadfast love towards those sinners like us, broken, in need, sitting on the side of a road, beaten, in need of salvation. And God, it's your, it's your love that we need this morning. It's your compassion that we need this morning. God, you are so awesome. So good. And God, we lift up our congregation to you. I pray for everybody here that you would touch everybody's heart in the way that they need to hear from you. Lord, I pray over Christians that need to grow in grace and make some decisions. Lord, there's decisions that need to be made this morning amongst followers of Jesus. Decisions to grow in the word. Decisions to have that conversation with that friend that needs encouragement today. Confession of sin that needs to happen, Lord. Maybe a step towards baptism. Lord, would you work, would you work by your power? Not by our power, but by yours. 
And Lord, there's some here who are lost and need Jesus. Would you save them, even this morning? Bring them to Christ. Bring them to forgiveness. Rescue them from the side of that road. And God, we think of our congregation. And Lord, I lift up Tim and Marcy Johnston to you. God, they have had quite a road this week. I pray for their daughter, Nicole, and her husband, Jesse. Lord, they just lost their little baby, Isabel. Just yesterday morning at 6.45 a.m. God, baby funerals are the worst funerals because our hearts just are wrenched and cut in half, Lord. And so, Lord, we just pray your comfort on that family. We pray that you'd be near Tim and Marcy even now. Be near Nicole and Jesse right now. Think of the funeral on Wednesday. May you be glorified in that moment, in the hard moment. Father, we thank you that Isabel is with you in heaven right now. Praise the Lord. Jesus, thank you that you said, let the children come to me. Let the little children come to me, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for the millions, yea, billions of babies, Lord, that have been whisked into heaven, into your presence. God, we weep with those who weep, and we rejoice with those who rejoice. And God, we ask that you would be with our dear brothers and sisters, the Johnston family. God, be close to them now. Christ, do your work through RJ as he brings the word. May the word of God speak to us in power. And may we walk out of here changed, different. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, I get to introduce our speaker this morning. So RJ Sumrall is going to be preaching God's word this morning to us. I first met RJ in 2014. Technically, it was an email that I got in 2014. There was a new FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, representative coming to Des Moines, and it was former Iowa State football receiver R.J. Sumrall, and the first thought that I had was, I've cheered against that guy a lot. Go Hawks, right? Amen. And so R.J. came to the city and was an FCA representative at Lincoln and at East and some of the other city schools, plus Carlisle and the surrounding area. And RJ became not just a fellow gospel worker with me, he became a very dear friend. And I thank God for RJ. He calls me big bro, I call him little bro, right? And God, is, God has formed a friendship. Uh, we're friends. And so it's a privilege for me to have my friend come and preach the word to you. Um, RJ c- continues to serve uh, as a Fellowship of Christian Athletes full-time character coach, and he's a district leader up in the Ames area. Stephanie, his wife, is here with their four kids. They've got three boys and a girl, and I've got to meet the girl for the first time this morning, which is cool. And he is the current chaplain uh, slash character coach for the Iowa State football team for all you Cyclone fans. Yeah, oh, wow. You got a warm crowd here, brother. Warm crowd. And, um, If you want to know all the ins and outs of Cyclone football, you can see RJ after service. Try to focus on the word, right, during during his sermon. Um, So God has really blessed him. He he has been uh, with FCA for a long time. And so we're very thankful 
that he could come fill pulpit for us. RJ has a rare combination of loving his job, but also loving the Word of God. Sometimes you can love the Word that you're disconnected from the world in a lot of ways. RJ loves sports and he loves Scripture, which is a rare combo. Amen? So I'm excited for him to bring God's Word to you. Brother, come bring the Scriptures to us. Let's give it up for RJ. Um, pray for him because he's with the nursery, so he's gonna need some help. So he needs all the prayer you can give him. So they let me come back, so I must have done a decent job this morning. And for the camera guy, were you able to keep up with me because I like to dance on the stage? Are we good? All right. So, um, do you have a notepad or a notebook or your phone for notes? I want you guys to take notes. I have three questions I want you guys to write down. And then we will give you the answer. All right, the first question as we go through the Good Samaritan is what does faith and work look like? What does faith and work look like? It's not what does faith in work or faith at work. It's faith and work. What does faith and work look like? The second question is, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And the third question is, what does love look like? What does love look like? Since I said the other two three times, I'll say the third one three times. What does love look like? So the questions are, what does, what does faith and work look like? Who is my neighbor? Question number two. Question number three, what does love look like? Okay. Before we dive into the scriptures and break it down, I have a story. Now, I failed last, the last service because I forgot to tell them the end or kind of how the story related to the message. So someone came up and said, what happened in the story? So if I mess up again, please let me know so I can tell you. So I like to eat out. I like food. And I always do something when I'm at a restaurant. I've been doing it for probably about five, six years. At first, it caught my wife off guard. I'm assuming now she's expecting it every time I do it. But uh, this past Thursday, I was in Kansas City, and I didn't do it. So I had three of my children there. I had my twin boys, who are wild and crazy, and I had my daughter, who is wilder and crazier. And they were playing, and my best, one of my best friends from when I played at Iowa State was there. His daughter and his son were around the same ages as my kids. And we were all sitting at the table. They were having too much fun, as in ramming toys, grabbing steak knives, waving them around. Um, it, it was chaos. It was chaos. And the waiter came in. We gave our order. He brought the food. 
and I was rushed. I was rushed, and I told one of my twins to put his chicken down because it's not time to eat. I got to say the prayer. And so I sit down, or I'm, I'm there, and I say the prayer, and it wasn't very good in my, like, I didn't feel like the, the words and all the things I had in my heart came out because my sons and my daughter were a little going crazy, and they wanted to eat, and I just felt rushed. And so I heard and said the prayer, and I was like, ah, that wasn't very good. And as I'm sitting there, I just felt the Lord saying, you didn't do it. You didn't do it. And I'm like, God, I got it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But he said, but you didn't. You didn't do it. You always do it, but you didn't do it. You need to do it. I'm like, I got it. I'll do it. And so I'm hanging out with my friends, and we're having a great time eating our meal, watching our kids go crazy, and we eventually give them the electronics so they can kind of calm down. That didn't work. And they're just still going crazy. And so when we get done, I still got a three-hour drive, um, and I, I, we figured I wouldn't get home till 10, 11 o'clock. And so we're sitting there, and the waiter comes in. And the Lord's like, you didn't do it. And I'm like, I got it. I'm going to do it. All right? So he stands there, tall guy, and he gives us our stuff. And I look at him. I said, what's your name? My wife knows exactly what's about to happen. So I always start, what's your name? And so he says his name is Evan. I said, okay, Evan. I have a three-hour drive from here to Des Moines. I'm going to pray for you. How can I pray for you? And he says, well, I'm going to be graduating, and I don't know what I'm going to do when I graduate. I need some clarity. I need some guidance on what I should be doing when I graduate. I said, okay, I'll be praying for that as we go on our three-hour drive. And he stands there at the table, and he says, why not do it now? And so I'm like, he's trying to put me on the hot seat. I'm like, man, I live on the hot seat. Let's go. So I pray. And I'm praying for the Lord to give him comfort, to know that the Lord has a plan for him, and he just needs to walk forward. And so I pray for that, and then we head off. We have a three-hour drive, and I've been praying for him, and this happened on Thursday. So what I normally do is when we get our food, I ask the waiter or waitress, what's your name, and how can I pray for you? He's the first one who's ever said, well, let's pray right now. Like, like Let's dive in right now. And I loved it. And so this actually does relate to the message, I promise. Don't let me forget to share it, okay? Promise. So you guys got your questions? You wrote them down? Okay. Good luck getting the answers. <laughs> now I'm going to give you the answers at the end. So let's, I love going through the word and breaking it down. And I love sharing the word and breaking it down. See, God has blessed me with a gift. And that gift, and it's unique to me, is using my character, my abilities to bring people to the feet of Jesus so then they can know what they're choosing when they choose yes or no when Jesus delivers the gift of salvation. And that's been my gift, and I absolutely love it, and I love diving in the Word to see, okay, how does this all play out? So that's what we're going to do today. So when you guys go to verse 25, Luke 10, verse 25, it says this, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. So this is a lawyer standing up to Jesus and wants to put him to the test. He says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? 
So before we dive into that right there, I want you guys to understand who the experts are. Who are all these people that keep challenging Jesus? They keep going intellect for intellect, wit for wit, and think that they're smarter than God. They think that they can trump him. They think that he's just a teacher, and they got this. Who are these experts? So let's, let's understand who the experts are. We have the scribes. They are human photocopiers. They pretty much take this, and they rewrite it. They cross the T's, they dot the I's. And there's a gang of them to make sure they don't cross the I's and dot the T's. Have you guys ever thought about this? It's really the same thing. Think about it. And so they're just the, the, the human photocopiers. Then you have the Sadducees. The Sadducees, they subtract from God's word. They took idolatry, which idolatry is something that you think that is important, and you put it equal to or greater than God. And they said, this is what you should be following more of. This right here, whatever, it could be sports, it could be work, it could be children, it could be married, it could be whatever you think. It could be the chair. Whatever you think you would like to worship equal to or greater than God. And then they took the Greek culture, Greek mythology, and they added it to their religion or philosophy. And then they also took God's word as well. And they smushed it all together and they said, hey, this is what we should follow. This is the right way. They took some things out and said, those aren't important. What we have crafted, what we have put together, that is what is important, and that is what you should follow. They also had great wealth, and they were the head of the high priest. So now you have the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they added to God's word. They were zealous over religion, not relationship. Religion, rules, this is how you have to do this. Relationship is truly understanding who God is and who he is in your life and trying to build a connection and a relationship, understanding who he is. And they were zealous over religion. They battled against Greek culture. They were so zealous that they took the, the, the Sadducees' rules and they said, hey, we need to bring it back to God. But they missed the mark. They kept going. And they added things. They said, okay, here is God's law, and so we can protect God's law. We're going to add some extra laws around it. We're going to add some practices and procedures around it to protect God's law. And so they went way too far, way too far. And so those are the people who continue to step in front of Jesus and said, we know more than you. We got this. Let us show you how smart we are. Let us show you. But then the person who we're talking about today, he's pretty much saying, hey, you Sadducees and you Pharisees, sit down, watch me work. I'm a lawyer. I know the religious law. I'm about to trump them. I'm about to go wit for wit. I got this. And so he asked the question, he says, how do I, how do I get eternal life, right? How do I? So he's saying, I have the answer. I'm prideful. I'm arrogant. I know the law. I have the answer. Just tell me how I do it. Not you because you're not enough. I got this. That's what he's saying to Jesus. And so then we go to verse 26 through 28. He says, he said to him, what is written in the law? See, Jesus knew who he was. He said, well, you're an expert. 
What's written in the law? You want to know how to get it. What's written in the law? It says, how do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Love God with everything. Love God with your thoughts, your desires, your passions, your work, your relationships. Love God with everything. What are you doing to bring people to the feet of Jesus? What are you doing to bring people to see the light of Jesus, the glory of God? Love him with everything. And that's in Deuteronomy. He gets that from Deuteronomy 6.5. And then he adds, he says, uh, I always miss my spot. There we go. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's Leviticus 19, 18. He's saying right here in that scripture, because I know the law, love God with everything and love your neighbor as you love yourself. When you read that and you read around the scriptures, it feels, and we know it's greater than, but it feels like it's only the people around us. It feels like the people that look like us. It feels like the people who have gone through life with us that we are supposed to love. Love God and love those right here that have the same heritage, that look like us. That's what it, when you read around the scripture, that's what it's like. So Jesus does something that I just, it, it, it irks me. When I ask someone a question, I want an answer. I don't want a question. But I've noticed in my coaching, in my counseling, in my preaching, I do the same thing. Somebody asks me a question, I ask them a question, and why? Because we want them to identify where they are. Where are you standing? What are your thoughts? Where are you going? That's why he is asking him the question. Where are you standing? What do you know? Where are you going? And so he wants him to do self-discovery. And so then after he answers the question, Jesus says, you're right. You're right. You are right to say what you said. Love God, love others, and you will live. Say, you will live. And, and what's so cool about Jesus is that he does not waste time on words. He's very particular. He didn't say, you're right, you will have eternal life. Because Jesus knows, and he's letting them know, the only way to have eternal life and be with the Father is through me, Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. To the one and living God. But he tells this, this uh, lawyer, you're right. You, if you do those things, you will live. And what it's saying is if you love God and you love others, you have the ability, you have the, 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 the path to live God's law rightly. Not perfectly. Only Jesus lived and will live God's law perfectly. So he's saying you will live rightly here, right here on earth. You have relationships. You'll serve people. You'll do good. But you still miss the mark of the end, the eternal life. So he's very particular on his words. So then on verse 29 and 30, the, the, the lawyer comes back and he says, um, well, he wants to clarify he wants to clarify what he's saying. See, he's trying to trump Jesus. 
He's trying to trump God and say, I'm smarter than you and I know my own way. And all I need to know is like, which path so that I can just go because I can do it myself. Not you, Jesus, because you don't have the answer. I got the answer. And so he's still arrogant and he forgets that he needs to come to Jesus, come to the Father with humility, not arrogance. He says, but he desires to justify himself and said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I'm going to pause right there. See, um, Jesus is going to do something, another thing that I just don't like. How many times have you ever, like, asked someone a question and they go into a story? And you're like, bro, no. I just wanted a quick answer. How are you doing? You doing good? Cool. Because I'm busy and I got to go. See, that's the difference between Western culture and Eastern culture. Still today, at Jesus' time and today. In Western culture, we are busy. I'm busy, I'm tired, I'm trying to hit that couch and watch TV. I don't got time to sit here and listen to your story. Or I say, what's up? And you go on a story, it's like, no. I gotta, I know a guy, and I see him all the time, and it's like, I gotta give him a quick head and I keep moving, because he's gonna go, hey, well, let me tell you a story. And I'm like, bro, I don't wanna be rude, but I got somewhere to go, right? But in the Eastern culture, in Jesus' time, we're gonna have a conversation. We're going to really sit down, break bread, drink tea, and talk about life. You asked me? Well, now I got to give it to you. And that is what he's doing. So he goes into a story. He says, a man. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. So let's talk about the road, the road of Jericho or the road to Jericho. So this road is 17 miles long. It goes downhill 3,000 feet from Jerusalem to Jericho. It winds. There's a ton of spots to hide. So what do you think's there? Criminals. People trying to get you. People who see what you have, and if you don't have a sword, a stick, a rock, well, they didn't have guns back then, but something to protect you, and they saw what you had, it's theirs. So this road was very dangerous and known to be dangerous. So this guy walks and he gets beat. They take all his stuff, all his clothes. They leave him naked and half dead. And so then Jesus continues in the story. So, and here are the players. He says, uh, now, by chance, a priest who is going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So, likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side as well. So, I want to stop there before I go to the hero. So, you have a Jewish man who walks down the street and gets mugged, gets beat. He's fighting for his life. He's dying. We just talked about loving God and loving your neighbor. And when we read around it, it looks like, hey, okay, so if my fellow man is down, I should help him. So you see a priest who sees him. Like, no, I'm good. I'm going to go over here and keep walking. And keeps walking. You would think that a priest who is the descendant of, of um, Aaron who is the first priest, that all of them are designated to be priests, that they would understand that they are expected to love others. And that guy 
is a Jewish man, and that priest is a Jewish man, so you would think that he would stop and help. Then you have a Levite who is a descendant of Levi, and they have been chosen and anointed by God to serve in the temple and assist the priest. So then you would think that this person would stop and help the Jewish man because they are also Jewish as well. But what does he do? I see him walking. Maybe he's on this side of the road. He said, oh, I'm not dealing with that. I'm going to go over here. I got to go. I got things to do. And then he goes. So since we know this road is very dangerous, it makes me think, is this the same old, same old? Like they, they walk down the street and they always see a beat up man that's half naked fighting for his life. Or maybe they already helped like 10 people and they just keep on moving. They're like, oh, I'm tired. I always see this. And they just keep moving. Or is it like this story? There was a seminary that had 20 students and they were going to become pastors. And they told 10 of them, hey, you have a job interview across the campus. We're preparing you. We're setting you up. We're getting you ready to go to that job interview. They tell another 10, hey, you're going to go to this church on the other side of campus, and you're going to share the message about the Good Samaritan. Well, little did these 20 students know was that there was actually a research project happening, and they had a guy outside, beat up, beat down, that needed help. And then they told the 20 guys, they said, hey, um, we are very sorry. We uh, kept you long. You're late. You got five minutes to get to where you need to be. And so they take off. And only like 1% to 2% of the people actually stop to help this guy. So when I hear that story and I think about this, it makes me think, are we looking too far in the future planning too far in the future, living too far in the future, and not living in the present. Because God has work right here for us to do, but we're missing that work because we're out there. We're down there. Stay here. See what God has for you. There is work for all of us to do, and it is uniquely designed for each of you. I do my work. I can't do your work. You do your work, you can't do my work. God has something in the presence for you. Was it like that? Was the priest and the Levite late to a sacrifice or something? Were they late? Were they focused on the vision? Were they fundraising or trying to, you know, build a synagogue there? What, what were they doing? What was keeping them there instead of here? But as you continue to read, the next man who comes by, is a Samaritan. As he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And it said he went over to the Jewish man. Now before we go deeper into that, why is this Samaritan so significant? See, the Samaritan, they were despised. They were despised. They were looked at less than. They were mixed with Jewish heritage and Gentile heritage. So the Jews looked at them and said, you're less than, you're unclean, you aren't us. You can't come into the places we go because you are unclean. You're not like us. They were an outcast, and there was a rival between them, like Iowa State and Iowa, a rival, which 
I, am, I did share in the last one, I am rooting today for Iowa because I want to see the women go further. So don't tell anybody I said that now, all right? Keep that to yourselves. But there was a rivalry between them. They looked at each other as, you're not us, and we don't mess with you. But see, this Samaritan, he had compassion. And that compassion led him to go from one side of the street to the other side, go out his way to serve this Jewish man who was beaten, robbed, left there for dead with nothing on. And what did he do? He gave him oil. He gave him wine for his wounds. He bandaged him. And then he sacrificed and put him on his donkey. So I always think, since it's 17 miles of of winding through, was it two miles in he got robbed? Was it 12 miles in? Let's just say it was two miles in. So this guy put this beat up, broken down dude on his donkey and walked his donkey for miles to take care of this man. He spent time in the hotel or in the inn taking care of this man. He may have had something to do, timely, but he stayed right where he was. He covered the hotel stay, and he covered additional treatment. As he said, hey, innkeeper, I'll be back. Here's two denarii. Here's two silver coins. Take care of him. When I come back, if you've spent more than what I've given you, I will pay for the rest. Just let me know. Send me the bill. Send me the invoice, and he will cover it. So he sacrificed himself. He sacrificed his stuff for this man. So I always, when I read the word, I always ask, okay, where is Jesus and where are we? Who is Jesus? Who are we? How does this relate to us in this context of Jesus and us? Write this note. Jesus is the Samaritan man. Jesus is an outcast when you compare him to the religious leaders. He's here to save the hurt and the sick. He's not here to kick it with the religious leaders. That was not his job. That was not his mission. His mission was to find those who are hurt, who are sick, who need him, who want to be with him. We are the Jewish man. We we are dying to our sins in need of a compassionate healer who will and has sacrificed everything and more for us. We are the Jewish man. Jesus is the Samaritan man. So as he continues to tell this story, we're in verse 36 and 37, he asked the, uh, the, the religious law person, lawyer, and he says, okay, I'm concluding it, so here's my question for you. Who's the neighbor? And the religious uh, leader, he says this. He says, well, the Samaritan is the, is the neighbor. And so Jesus gives him a call to action. Jesus gives us a call to action. The call to action is go and imitate. Go and imitate the Samaritan. Now, this is uh, one thing I've always ran into as my time with the college athletes 
Um, they always ask, they say, man, I've been diving in my word. I've been diving in my faith. I'm graduating. How do I stay plugged in? They find a Bible-believing church, get connected to a group. But more importantly, find ways to share the gospel. Find ways and allow the Holy Spirit to open the door for you to share the gospel. It forces you to stay in the word. It forces you to look for opportunities that the Lord is opening for you to share the gospel. And I want to challenge you guys as well. Find opportunities to share the gospel. So I gave you guys some questions. You guys want the answers? All right, I got you. Here's the answers. You ready? Get ready to write. Question number one. What does faith in work look like? I'm going to give you some verses. Isaiah 64, verse 6. It's the second sentence. So Isaiah 64, 6, second sentence. Works without faith is worthless like a filthy rag. Worth without faith is worthless like a filthy rag. So I was told yesterday to um, not use my normal filthy rag example. So I tried to make up another one. Um, how many of you guys uh, have a dirty, nasty, disgusting and stinky towel or sponge on your kitchen sink that you wash dishes with? Like you know that if you touch it, that smell is going to be on your hands probably for the next month. That's what our good works are when we don't have faith. When we don't have faith, our good works is like that filthy rag. That thing should be thrown in the garbage or that filthy sponge. It should be thrown in the garbage. It has bacteria and nastiness and it stinks, but we continue to use it. You guys should throw that away. I just threw mine away. Okay? The next verse is James 2.14. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. So I want you to think about, okay, what does that look like? If, I, if I'm growing in my, if I'm in my faith and I'm not doing any works with that faith, what is that? It's, it's selfish. It's self-glorifying. It's lacking in maturity growth. And it's lacking boldness for Jesus. When you step out for Jesus, it is scary. I do this for a living and it's still scary. But you got to be bold. So then he, you go to James 2.17. It says, works are the vital signs of your faith. It's the pulse in the heartbeat of your faith. It's like this. If I say, hey, man, there was a dead body there. I brought him back to life. And you check to see if the dead body's moving. You check to see if there's a heartbeat. You check the vitals and nothing is happening. That body's still dead. It's the same as our faith. Our faith should drive us to do good works. And if we don't have good works behind that faith that's driving us, that faith is dead. I want you guys to remember this. To have faith, read Romans 10, 9, and 10. It's declaring with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead three days later. If you can declare and believe, then you are right by God because of Jesus' blood, and you are saved. That's, that's a seal, that's a stamp, it's locked up, that's never going away. That's yours. 
That's what he did for us to have eternal life. And it's right there. We just got to receive that. Allow your faith to lead you to work. Question number two. Who is our neighbor? And I even wrote down here, I stole somebody's pen earlier. I wrote waiter. So I could tell you guys. So the answer to who is our neighbor is anyone we come across. Anyone we come across. Because everyone is in need. Everyone is in need, even if they say, I'm good. Everyone is desiring something. They need something. And it's always Jesus. It could be spiritually. It could be mentally. It could be physically. It could be an advisor. And it can be relationally or et cetera. See, the reason why I shared that story about the waiter is because that guy needed to know that there is someone leading me. There is comfort in Jesus. I can trust God's plan. He needed someone to step in the gap and pray for him. That's what he needed. He needed someone to take that burden and hold it for him and bring it to the Lord for him or with him. Who is our neighbor? Everyone. Everyone around you. But you got to ask the Holy Spirit to let you see the opportunities for you to serve. And it will be, it will be scary. Step in. Jump in. You'll be surprised the outcome. You'll be overjoyed with the outcome. And the last one is, what does love look like? I want you guys to write this down. Passion, compassion, passion and compassion. And then we're going to go to the original word of those, which is compassionate. You have passion, compassion, and compassionate. What is passion? Passion is really like, it's liking something a lot. Our passions change. Our passions flip. We add. We subtract. Compassion is really caring about something a lot. We can add things to that. We can take things out of that. That's compassion. But compassionate, that's compassion and passion mushed together. It's a force that builds inside of you, that forces you to do something with that inside of you. The good Samaritan, he compassionate over the Jewish man. There was something inside of him that forced him to go. And we have to allow that to happen. And what does that look like? It looks like empathy and sacrifice. Empathy and sacrifice. Jump in. Be bold. Be brave. Watch the Holy Spirit work. It will amaze you. But it is terrifying. But it also is fun. God has something specific for you to do. Open your eyes. Be present. And ask the Lord to reveal it so you can dive into it. Let us go ahead and pray over this. Father God, uh, we just say thank you so much for your, your word. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your sacrifice.
Lord, I ask you to bless everyone in this congregation to be even closer to you, to open their eyes to all the things you have around them that you are calling them to do. Lord, I ask you to give them courage, give them boldness. That person that's been on their heart, that neighbor, that coworker, that kid, that coach, that they would be bold and trust that you will give them the right words that you want that person's heart to hear. Lord, I ask you to step in front of them and let them know that you got this. And it's not about what they can do. It's following you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.